Cougs house. All right, so the Houston Cougars are still reveling in the weekend's big win, so why can't we? Welcome to Locked on Cougs, the daily podcast all about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach, Parker Ainsley, here to break down all things Cougs. If you're a U of H fan or just a hater came to stop by, be sure to hit subscribe and download the podcast each day for the latest on the Cougs all year long. If you're subscribed, our show should pop up in your feed each day, so be sure to make Locked on Cougs your first listen of the day. All right, so you guys know the drill on Tuesday. There's another big media availability from the football team and football coaching staff. So Tuesday, we got to hear from Head, uh, assistant head coach Doug Belk, a defensive coordinator, I should say, defense coordinator, associate assistant head coach. So lots of titles for Doug Belk. We also got to hear from Jace Rogers, Dot Nwankwo, and star receiver Sam Brown. So I feel like we got a lot of stuff to cover with all of them. But before we jump into Belk or all the other layers, we also got to hear from Dana Holgerson on Monday. And I think his thoughts are worth marking down. So in our first segment, we'll look at Holgerson's thoughts from Monday. Then we're going to talk some about what Belk had to say. And then we're going to look at what the players said at the end. So Holgerson on Monday opened up and had several different moments of his press conference, or his media availability, where he really, really took time out of his day to praise Stacy Sneed. Now, you might remember that Stacy Sneed came in after a Campbell fumble and ended up actually having a really, really big day on the ground for the Cougs. And I have to say, like, frankly, that's as Coach Holgerson pointed out, not the easiest thing to do against the Navy defense. Navy's had a good defense for a handful of years now. I remember our previews last week. That was one of the things we were worried about. But the redshirt freshman from Arlington, Texas, Stacy Sneed, really, really had a big day. Again, 20 carries for 100 yards and did not play uh, more than about, what was that, about half the football game because of the fumble from the other guy. And so, Holgerson pointed out point blank that you're not supposed to be able to run the ball against Navy. And then he would later say that it starts up front. He's critical of those guys, the offensive linemen, when it doesn't look so good. So he's going to pat them on the back when it does. And I think what's interesting in this is it kind of worked both ways. There were plays where Sneed did not get met until four or five yards downfield because of the great job the offensive line was doing. And then there are plays that Holgerson pointed out, if you go back and watch that Navy tape, where bluntly... He got hit three yards behind the line of scrimmage and made a positive two-yard game out of it, right? He got past the defense or past the expected yards per carry on that several different times, and Coach Holgerson was able to point that out as well in the press conference. There was kind of this back and forth there where the offensive line helped out some, and Stacey Sneed helped himself out some. And then one thing I think we get to see with the naked eye without being in the film room with them as they're going through their reads and progressions is that... Coach Hogerson pointed out that Clayton Toon did a really good job with his run checks, meaning he lines the line of scrimmage. He's a pass play and a run play. In his head, he's able to call. He makes one or two words at the line of scrimmage and goes with whichever he sees. And he made several good calls on the run play. And and, and that led to more of the Snacy Sneed like snowball effect as it went. And then when you got a guy that can get yards that aren't there, and you got a guy that gets the ball at the right amount of times. All of a sudden, you got a pretty strong offense because we know they can do passing the ball. And when you have the opportunity to open it up with running the ball, suddenly things are very, very different. Now, Stacey Sneed is the fourth running back that Houston has played this year with any serious snaps or senior snap counts in close games. And the question is brought up that 
one of the old Holger, Holgerson-isms. Is Holgerson-isms the way we're going to say that? Yeah, Holgerson, Holgerson-isms. Holgerson-isms is that you're going to need four running backs in the course of a season, right? The way you're going to play this run-and-shoot type of offense, you're going to have to have guys who can put the load on, and they're going to have to tote the rock. They're going to get beat up. You need a couple for one guys go down. You need a couple so they can rotate carries in the game and so on. And it feels like that's coming to fruition here, right? Uh, coach is confident they're going to get Tejon Henry back. He says it may even be this week he says maybe some more opportunities for keelan walker and so we may see him some more out of the backfield as well he also wasn't totally writing off brandon campbell he says he did try to pick him up briefly over the course of the game and that you know this is not a done thing for him at all he definitely hinted at the idea that he may get back and that would be the four running back idea that hulk has talked about in the past and frankly at his previous ops before he even got to houston now other players that Holgerson took the time to point out, uh, he was asked specifically about Jace Rogers and really wanted to talk about the growth of Jace Rogers as a person on and off the field. We get to hear from him later in the media availability throughout the week, so we'll talk about him when the third segment comes up. But I think that was interesting to hear him talk about. Like, There's like a, a very serious passion on the face of Holgerson when he's having to present that information. And then Sam Brown. It sounds like Coach is excited about Sam Brown. Uh, he started to elevate his game, Coach said, during the Tulane week was when Coach first noticed it. Played well against Memphis. Obviously, who knows what happens to the game if Sam Brown is not on the field because Tank was so beat up and then he got a ton of reps in the bye week because Tank Dell was so beat up that in that bye week in that 14 day period suddenly Sam Brown gets a lot more reps a lot more work a lot more coaching and obviously the progression is showing right the development of Sam Brown as a second legitimate option and frankly a really really good one that you could see being a first option on other American football teams feels like the real deal there feels like it's very very natural now, we mentioned the Sam Brown performance in the Memphis game. Coach Hogerson pointed out that the Memphis game clearly put them in a better spot and that they capitalized on it. Um, you know, that having the bye week and then the Navy game let them continue to build on that momentum because the Navy team is the kind of team, the kind of offense, the kind of defense that you have to have more time to prepare for, and they did have to prepare or did have the time to prepare for it. He said the D-line was obviously what opened it up. Dot, who we got to hear from later in the availability, talked about how great Dot was. Donnie Mooton played Navy four times now and was really able to talk to the team about how the offense is going to work. Then obviously we get to talk about Perry Olsen too because Perry Olsen literally played quarterback at Navy and now plays linebacker at Houston. So he was really, really able to help them out with things like that. And I think the interesting thing is, is that that extra time, extra effort, all that extra work in the bye week, a week that some programs would take off, comes down to the work, as Coach Holgerson puts it, of his assistant coaches. He credited them for all the work they did in the film room and on the field teaching because it felt like they got back to basics and were also able to teach this the crazy difficult scheme that they were getting ready for. Now, he points out that they're not looking at USF uh, South Florida this weekend as anything to take lightly. Everyone acknowledges their schedule, but Colt Holgerson, and then as we'll hear echoed by Coach Bell, as we'll hear echoed by the players, all point out that they've had a handful of injuries and a crazy difficult schedule, and are frankly, you know, a field goal here from beating Florida or a one-score game against Cincinnati and had their own crazy series of close games. And we've been looking at Houston and their close games all year long, right? And Coach Holgerson's one of the first ones to point out that, you know, especially with like the big one against Memphis, the big one against Navy, if one or two of those overtime games at the start of the year, those close games had gone their way instead of the opposite way, all of a sudden, you're looking at the University of Houston being more like seven and one, six and one, like a really, really highly touted team. And they still, even with those close losses, 
have a real out, a shot. I don't want to say outside shot. It's not that crazy, but a shot at winning the American Conference Championship. And that's kind of crazy considering it was not that long ago that we were all debating if, you know, is Holgerson the person for the job? And while I still have my complaints, I have to say that Holgerson has proven that he's got guys that want to play this level of football for him, and that continues to impress me because this is a team that had every right to throw in the towel following Tulane, and they have not. And that's a credit to the job that Holgerson has done. Speaking of jobs, these days, every potential new hire can feel like high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available? That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs is about the right people for your time, faster and for free. So you find someone like Holderson, you can check if he's the right guy. You can go through all of their different things in his resume, all the different questionnaires, all the different searching tools that they have. Once you add your job title and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile, you can start spreading the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire, like Holgerson. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, so we also got to hear on Tuesday from associate head coach, meaning a top assistant head coach and defense coordinator, Doug Belk. And Doug Belk, frankly, has become one of my favorite guys to listen to talk about the Houston Cougar football team because he gives credit to so many of these little things that coaches notice in a way that fans might not. Uh, First and foremost, he did a great job of giving a big shout out and praise for Perry Olsen and the way that he prepared Houston for that patented triple option Navy attack. Obviously, when you have film of him literally doing it against Notre Dame, you can kind of assume what kinds of things he knows about the offense. But he really gave the majority of his credit to the front line. As he said, the front makes it all go. The front playing well changed up all the reads for Navy and mucked up all the reads, right? Changed up what they were doing. And he plugged player of the game, Dot Wonkwo, because his job was to keep the center and a guard at the same time off of the linebackers, letting those guys scrape and make tackles. And we saw as we look at, like, if you look at Donovan Mooton's 14 tackles, that's because a guy like Don Wanko is in the way and keeping guys off of him, keeping Donovan Mooton's jersey clean because his is dirty, right? It's that same, the same way the offensive line does that for the quarterback, the defensive line is doing that for the linebackers, and coaches point that out for everyone in the press conference. He talked about Elias Bell, uh, you know, Cedric, Nelson Caesar, all those guys all continue to match the intensity of of the triple option run game. Uh, coach continued to like point out Dot in particular. Um, the impact in the field included like a very, very strong mindset. Uh, this is his second time beating Navy, and he's just like this double-team magnet, which really, really shifts and alters their offense because their offense is all predicated on being able to leave some guys unblocked, and they're having to double block on him, and that's a big, big difference. Um, I think the other reason that we're praising Dot is because everyone else that has a good game and especially in that game, got credited with things like tackles, interceptions, tackles for losses, sacks, etc. And 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 bluntly, Don Wonko doesn't get those stats because he's eating up the blocks that allow those other stats to happen. And coach points out his you know wrestler background and and those kinds of things that really made him an incredibly talented early career. I don't want to say young, but early career nose tackle. As far as 
other players we got to hear Coach Belk talk about. I thought it was interesting that we heard about uh, Traylon Payne. We haven't heard a whole lot about Traylon Payne. Traylon Payne's a freshman from San Antonio, Texas at Judson High School. He was a three-star prospect, top 80 guy in 24-7 sports, a bunch of tackles in high school. Like a very, very highly touted recruit for the University of Houston coming in. The kind of guy that they're going to get a lot more of to play Big 12 football. But frankly, for playing American football, this is like a fairly big-time recruit for us. And we haven't seen him a lot on the field outside of special teams and things like that. He's very much still clearly getting adjusted. And Coach Belk pointed out that, A, he's another one of those guys that the bye week was huge for, had got some game reps building up to it, and then had two weeks to work after having an understanding of what game reps look like. He also pointed out that, you know, he had some big special teams plays and things like the Memphis game, and he kind of had been working towards this point, and he got more reps for his Navy than he had in any prior week and I think that's worth pointing out when you look at like the growth of the young football player and the growth of a young football player like that really I think speaks to bluntly maybe I'm just a favorite maybe I just like these guys but it kind of speaks to the coaching staff right we think about how on the defensive line front Brian Early sets like this tone across the board for all of them but we don't think about like how David Rowe was teaching a bunch of guys that haven't played as much football because they sent guys in the NFL last year right uh, David Rowe is working with guys that have a lot less in-game experience, in-game high-speed experience. So we got Coach Belk shouting out the work that is being done with a guy like Traylon Payne. Similarly, on the other side, we got Jace Rogers, and Jace has played a little bit more in the past. Jace is an older guy, did the JUCO route, and those kinds of things. But Coach Belk took a moment to talk about the leadership displayed by a guy like Jace Rogers, that he's just a more mature kid. He's like starting his own family, right? He's a little bit older. And as a competitor, he appreciates that Jace Rogers approaches that in like a more mature way. He is a serious competitor, the kind of guy that competes for a living and like that bleeds into an otherwise young DB room. And I think it's really, really interesting to hear Coach talk about. And uh, Coach mentioned that sometimes on the field that can sound like and look like you're containing a guy's passion. I think it's a nice way to say telling him to keep a lid on it, right? <laughs> like that, that, that's, would you agree that's what you think that he's saying there? But I, I will say that that's the kind of thing that in football you want out of, especially guys that you need to have the most confidence like a cornerback. Like I need a cornerback then give out an 80, give up potentially an 80-yard fade. And I don't want my cornerback to give up an 80-yard fade route, but I need the confidence that if you do give up an 80-yard fade route, that we come on the next play, the next defensive snap, and you're like, this guy ain't getting a yard. Like, I need that kind of confidence and that kind of a competitor. And it sounds like Belk is giving all of those same attributes or certainly tying those to Jace. And, and worth pointing out that we, we got to hear both from uh, Belk and Jace that I didn't necessarily realize that they, more or less, Coach Belk and Jace Rogers, went to rival high schools. Now, obviously, they're very different in age, but they, they knew all of the same people. And that Belk pointed out first that, you know, they'd been coaching at West Virginia and tried to get Rodgers to West Virginia before he had to go the JUCO route. And that thing just kind of worked out serendipitously and got him to Houston. I, I would be remiss to not point out that there were a bunch of different ways in which Coach Belk also talked about getting ready for USF. Now, I think he was kind of leading the charge on this, like, South Florida team it is a misleading team if you just look at records and stats and, and points and things like that because of the injuries. He knows firsthand because he saw a year ago the kind of explosive offense that USF can have, right? Now, I understand that Houston did win the game in Florida last year, and frankly, Houston had a really, really great season last year, but Belk alluded to the fact that, like, 
South Florida put up a lot of points. The game was 54-42. to The defense did not exactly have their best day. It did not have the kind of day that you'd want as defensive coordinator in dealing with what coach called Florida speed. He also pointed out, like, they ran the opening kickoff back, right? This is the kind of team that has that explosive speed. And Coach Belk was under the impression, or at least he certainly talked in a way that, you know, as they're coming back from some of these injuries, some of that explosive speed is coming back. Now, we'll talk in tomorrow's episode with some people from South Florida and hear about their quarterback issues. And I don't mean to make light of those. That's obviously a very important position. But having a new quarterback and giving him, quote, Florida speed could certainly be a very comforting way to welcome someone new into the fold. Further, it's the kind of thing that while Houston is the kind of defense that has a great front seven and really gets after you with the pass rush, if you've got that kind of Florida speed and get the ball out fast and get out into space on the edge, we talked about how the DBs are kind of our younger spot on the roster. That's not necessarily our strong suit on the roster. And so suddenly you've got new, relatively fresh Florida speed on the edge against, again, probably the weaker spots of our defense. And so whether it's the eyes, alignment, assignment, those kind of things, which Belk echoed that they've been working on, suddenly the defense can get a little bit more dicey. Now, I I do think it's always interesting to hear from the defense side of this team because we think about Houston over the last decade having this explosive offense and all those things. And the truth is, Belk runs a very, very solid defensive system based on great front seven play. It's just interesting to see that he's kind of got a little bit of shake in his boots heading into the South Florida game. He certainly seems to be sweating a little bit. And speaking of sweating, I am the kind of person that sweats whenever I talk in front of a room. So naturally, sitting here talking with you and talking in front of classrooms, those kind of things, can just make me a little sweaty. Give me those nice little dark underarm pits. And whenever I'm wearing a Houston Cougar red, those things show up really, really bright. However, recently... I got partnered with Sweatblock. Sweatblock gives you the confidence to wear what you want without the embarrassing underarm sweat. Sweatblock was created by a doctor to help with his own excessive sweating. It's doctor created and doctor recommended. Sweatblock gives you the confidence to wear what you want without that embarrassing underarm sweat. Again, I repeat that. Sweatblock gives you the confidence to wear what you want, like Houston Cougar Red, without that embarrassing underarm sweat. Uh, if you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try Sweatblock. Save 20% with promo code locked on at sweatblock.com. It's also available on Amazon, but you can save 20% with promo code locked on at sweatblock.com. All right, so in the third segment, we're going to talk about the different players we got to see speak or, uh, this week, on, or at least on Tuesday's media availability, we got to see these guys speak. And it was interesting to see some of these guys, because I feel like we hear their names from other coaches or on TV a lot, or maybe one or two of them on TV a lot. We don't get to necessarily hear them talk a lot. So the first player that was available was Jace Rogers. Now, Jace mentioned that he thought the Memphis game was a must-win, and so he was very, very relieved after the fact. I have to admit that that might be a little bit more easy to call a must-win after you've won the game, but he pointed out that they'd had several tough losses, and it frankly took like this big load off of Houston's back to say, okay, we really can win these close games. Obviously, Navy a couple weeks later was not a close game, but that was a kind of changing moment for Jace Rogers. He felt like once they knew they could win close games, the season seemed to have new life. Uh, they all like were able to voice things themselves after previous games about things that had gone wrong, but being able to see that they could fix on the field was a big deal. Rogers pointed the same relationship he's got with Belk. Uh, he said that they are both from the same area of Georgia and that like it was introduced to Belk as he's such and such and such and such as people. Like they knew the same people, had people in between them. Not that they related themselves, but they had like common people between them in the same town. And interestingly enough, it sounds like 
it's almost like a familial type of relationship that they had once that Rodgers and Belka connected when Rodgers was in high school. And they even had like a texting relationship where it sounds more like Coach was a more like a Juco mentor trying to make sure that Rodgers was staying on top of his stuff while he was in junior college. So obviously when the Houston opportunity opens up, Rodgers is going to jump on it. Um, Rodgers pointed out that Coach Belka had them working on their fundamentals, communication eyes, alignment, assignment, those kinds of very basic things that you hear about almost in like camp during the bye week and says that when you play a very like fine-tuned offense like Navy, you need to make sure you have those things under you. I, I think that's fair. I think it's interesting that he says they worked on the basic fundamentals and Coach Hogerson and Coach Belk both point out that they were getting ready for Navy. Maybe those two things go together. Maybe having the extra time in both areas kind of helped. Uh, he Rogers asked about dot stories and he just said that he's a dirty working kind of guy and then Rogers also asked about like his relationship with Sam Brown competing in practice or at least it was phrased in that kind of a stance because again dot and Sam were going to be coming up to the podium later the virtual podium is on zoom later and that I think people were trying to find some sort of connections between them and I didn't realize until hearing Jay's talk about it that he and Sam Brown played on some of the same seven on seven teams growing up and that Jace actually, when Houston was trying to, you know, recruit or had offered uh, Sam in the transfer portal window, Jace was like, "Hey, we need to get you here." And he, the quote was, "I knew he could be that." And man, oh man, if he had the foresight to see the Sam Brown that we're seeing post Tulane game, post Memphis game, etc., maybe, maybe Jace Rogers needs to be on the recruiting staff because that that is quite the find to find a guy like that that's not getting a whole lot of clock at West Virginia in the transfer portal and bring him in. And frankly, Sam Brown, I know West Virginia is in the Big 12. Sam Brown looks like the kind of guy that's going to be a difference maker for Houston once they go into the Big 12. And if, if Jace Rogers has that kind of an eye for talent, I say, what, what do you say? I think we sign him to a recruiting deal or some sort of a recruiting coach once he's done playing. I want to see him finish playing first, obviously, but once he's done playing. The the second player they had up was obviously everyone's seemed to be a fan favorite of sorts, certainly by the way, like just the people were jollier when they asked him questions. Uh, Chidozi Dot Wonkwo has got the, quote, dirtiest job on the team, and he sees it as being the rock of the defense, the rock of the defensive line, the defensive line is the rock of the defense, and per Dot, the rock of the defense is because the defense is the rock of the team, and all of those things. So, Almost like if you snowball this out, Dot is the the rock of everything that they do. And frankly, I think that while while Dot might not admit this, hearing other people talk about Dot and Wonko make me believe that other people think the same way. As he pointed out in the media availability, on just about every run play this year, he has been double teamed. He says he occasionally gets a single one-on-one block in pass, uh, pass blocking kind of situations or third and long kind of stuff or whatever. But generally speaking, he's getting double teamed on nearly every run play. So much so that if he gets single teamed or, quote, if it's easy, then something must be wrong. Like that's the way he reacts when he gets a single one-on-one type of block. And then when asked to talk about the defensive line as a whole, I love that Dot Wonko said they've kind of had this next-man-up mentality since the big Derek Parrish injury because I think we all kind of thought that Sac Avenue could get slightly derailed once they lost Parrish, both because of his leadership and, bluntly, because of the depth. But Wonko point out that everyone on the defensive lineman group is a leader and that they're all leading both an example and in the locker room and in the film room and those kinds of things because that's kind of the mentality they've taken with coach Brian earlier right? this is who they are and this is what they're doing um the momentum I think has fed off that as well because as you remember from the Memphis game 
down the stretch when Memphis was getting stopped on defense, you know, three and out, three and out, field goals instead of touchdowns or whatever, and Houston was trading touchdowns for field, and all those things on the stretch, the guys making the plays were the defense line, right? We think about Nelson Caesar, we think about Dotton Wonkwell, we think about Jamari Caldwell, and those kinds of things, and I, and I think that's interesting to say that like all this is leading to this really is the leadership, the point of the spear, the tip of the spear, et cetera, the front line of defense is very literally the best line of defense. And Doc continued to praise his other players. I think it was interesting hearing him talk about Jamari. He was very clearly like surprised in the kind of explosiveness that Jamari Caldwell has brought to the defensive line in Houston. And he was like surprised when they just first met that Jamari had played running back in high school, but also very quick to be like, once I saw him play, it was not very surprising. So that's the kind of athlete we're working with here, right? The kind of guys at Division One, soon to be Power Five, defensive tackle, and played running back in high school. That's the kind of athlete we're talking about. And frankly, I, I buy it as well. I just thought it was interesting. Um, and looking at the kind of guy that Nwanko was, he's not quite the running back type guy himself, but he did say he models his game on Fletcher Cox, Aaron Donald, who's like one of the greatest interior defense alignment of all time, and Houston alum Ed Oliver. So I thought that was interesting that he's got all those guys in his game. I think when I hear him talk about being a high school wrestler and using the leverage and stamina and things like that from his time as a wrestler, that makes me think of not quite Fletcher Cox, although Fletcher Cox uses a lot of those same kind of moves, but it makes me think of Aaron Donald because Aaron Donald, frankly, is similar to other guys that Houston's had before, but Donald is not some 6'5", 375-pound kind of defensive nose tackle. He's not some, he's not even like the 6'2", 300-pound. He is much more of the chiseled out, great, strong, explosive, tough guy athlete on the interior defense line that frankly, you don't see having long careers, much less long Hall of Fame type of careers like Aaron Donald's having. And so I can kind of see the similarities between Dot Wonkwo and Aaron Donald because at 5'11", 290, Nwankwo has kind of got closer. He's close to the ground. He's playing lower, and he's got to rely on things like quickness and aggression and explosiveness and those kinds of things like a Donald because he's not going to just overpower someone with just raw size and ability. He's got to be tough. He's going to be quick. He's got to be quick decisions, and he's got to be really, really just bluntly talented to be as the caliber of player he is at that size. I will also say that watching him play as a current sophomore, like he is currently a sophomore because 2020 doesn't count and he wants eligibility status, I am excited to see where uh, Doc can take this thing. I mean, he's so, so talented and has so much time left in Houston, and he could be an all-Big 12 kind of guy very quickly. And like as soon as their first year in the Big 12, he is a Big 12 caliber player at least, and he'll be showing that off next season in the Big 12. I'm excited about it. I hope you are too. The third and final player we got to hear from in the media availability was Sam Brown. Uh, Sam did some talking about his journey to the University of Houston because he's not spoken to the media since joining the or since the game started, I should say. While he's been here, uh, he you know talked about coming from West Virginia and how you know he kind of left in the middle of the season, and so he didn't get a lot of game reps at the end of that. Uh, he did echo the Jace Rogers connection, saying that like they knew about one another and that Jace had kind of supported him and was like, "Hey, you need to come play with us," and that kind of thing. But I was interested in listening to Sam Brown's story. He also cites Memphis as like a breakout game, but he says it was just a game he was doing his job. It was just the first time that the game had kind of slowed down a little bit, right? The jitters were not gone, and he felt like the jitters in those early games were because he was excited to be out there playing football again, right? He missed half a season before and had, frankly, not played a lot of snaps 
at West Virginia. And so getting to be on the field, getting to play real snaps, and kind of getting back into it just had him so excited. He was having those nervous, jittery kind of moments. Uh, I, I like to hear receivers like Sam Brown point out that they pride himself or pride themselves being able to block and have an all-around game. But I think the truth is, is we get to see his game develop the most because he plays alongside or opposite side, depending on the formation, I guess, of Tank Dell. And that really, really does give us a lot more one-on-one coverage with Sam Brown. That really, really does allow us to see what he does in one-on-one coverage. He said, you know, he feels very, very confident that in man-to-man and zero coverage, it's on him and he's got it, right? He is ready for that kind of thing. And frankly, I think he kind of, based on the way his face kind of perked up when asked the question, is excited to get those kind of coverages as we head back, head into the Big 12 and he heads back into the Big 12 next season because... He was a Big 12 receiver, and this is a chance for him to really, really prove himself. He said he models game the same question came up. He models game after uh, Devontae Adams, George Pickens, and Keenan Allen. And I have to say, I love the Keenan Allen comp. I think, frankly, we can get him a few more balls in the air, balls in his direction. We could really, really see that come to fruition. So I love that as well. That was just kind of a sidebar, side note I had on the side of my page here. And I think that's really, really interesting that he identified that as well if you identify something about the houston cougars you want to talk about you can find me on twitter and instagram to talk about all things cougs at painsworth 512 p-a-i-n-s-w-o-r-t-h 512 make sure you download and subscribe to locked on cougs for the latest on the houston cougars each and every day so wherever you listen to this right now go hit subscribe hit download leave us a five-star rating give us a positive review do those kinds of things out with the podcast because tomorrow we're talking more about usf tomorrow we'll be talking to some people i'm not going to give too much away but to some people from usf about how their season has gone and going to help preview next weekend's game with them so make sure you stick around and subscribe that way you can make us your first listen of the day tomorrow if you're looking for a second listen of the day today let me recommend locked on rockets the houston rockets got their first win of the season monday night it was not without some controversy at the end and jackson gallon has all things rockets covered so make sure you go check him and the locked on rockets podcast out for more things about houston thank you all so much for tuning in today again that's locked on cougs daily information about the houston cougars download subscribe to all the more things to have about the podcast go cougs